Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to this fine evening. It is Tuesday night and I'm actually quite chipper this evening because we have a really interesting topic tonight, Mr. Mingle. So yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I, I think so. Sir, sir works. <laughs> so welcome everybody to The Dash. And, um, you know, we've been talking about a bunch of cool content that we intend to go ahead and rock out for you and and the expansion of the show and the things that we intend to do with the show. And that always gets me juiced because we have a lot of really amazing vision that uh, that, that I think is going to play itself out. And, and one of the things that we find to be really super important, you know, because we're going to get into all sorts of stuff. You know, the dash is everything in between. It's not just network marketing. It's not just business, but it's everything. And, um, you know, we have lots of amazing things that we want to embark on and talk to you guys about. But one of the things that's super important to both of us is the network marketing industry because it's really where Peter and I both fell in love with with this kind of business. You know, um, how to be an entrepreneur and what's out there for the little guy. And when I say little guy, let me just be very respectful when I mean I mean the little guy who like runs this country and runs their family and and uh you know who's controlling the gross national product for America and who's out there working for somebody else maybe one maybe two jobs and then coming home and taking care of their family and this could be a female guy when I say little guy because I was the guy who did that in my family and raised three children um and and worked the jobs and on top of building my businesses So, you know, the little guy, meaning the person who doesn't have, you know, a half a mil in the bank that's liquid, they can go ahead and dump into their next project, little guy. Um, The non-already-made-it Donald Trumps of the world who have a vision and a heart and a passion to go ahead and do something bigger, better, stronger than what they're doing currently financially for themselves and their family. And so I don't know anything else that does what network marketing, multi-level marketing can do for that person. You know, for you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things out there. If you got 50 grand to throw at it, you can start a franchise or 50, 75. Um there's a lot of interesting things that you can do. If you've got 100 grand in the bank, you can do a lot of things. But, you know, if if you've got, you know, if you got a little bit of money in your pocket and a really big dream, the network marketing is the only way that I see it. I don't know. How about you, Peter? Peter? Peter's here. I muted me out after I called you sir. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to get nervous. You can call me sir. That's okay. No, I, you were typing and I, I heard your cell phone rubbing against your beard. So I was like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't say that on the air. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but, the, yeah. but the cool thing is, no, but I looked at the whole environment for home-based businesses, network marketing, multi-level marketing, whatever you wanted to call it, as maybe being one of the best, most pure, most sincere way of making money that could help as many people as possible. So I kind of saw it, but I got to share with you, if I was on the outside looking in, there's no way I would do network marketing based on what I see on the outside looking in. So this is like one of those industries where really, I don't know who's running our PR campaign, (laughs) but they are just blowing a really great opportunity And what I like to do is I kind of like to give people the stuff that they need to know. You know, let's use the cliche to make an informed decision. I mean, how many times have you heard that? That's like, oh, my gosh. Say that one more time, I'm going to puke. But but what do we need to know about this game or this industry that we're probably not being told because people don't always want to tell the truth because they're afraid of telling the truth might actually scare some people away. So this is going to be like one of those calls where you either really like this call or you'll really hate this call because we're probably <laughs> we're probably dabbling around and bouncing your belief systems around a little bit over here. But and it's just, a show, Peter. It's our show. It is, oh, it's a show. Yeah, it's not a call. Do, it's a show. Oh, we'll do the yeah, shows, calls, entertainment. <laughs> if I have a phone on my head, it's, it's a, a call. call. I know. I know. But we'll do the show. But this, but in essence, too, this also kind of extends 
how this works relative to what you can do and from where. So, the, so then, yeah. we're going to have an interesting conversation on this show today. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, it'll probably poke you a little bit if you're associated with this, or if we're starting to challenge or maybe question some belief and some practices. So, if I can start, I'll kind of start with a little story. I was in the direct sales profession, selling vacuum cleaners, with a company called Electrolux. A long time ago. It was my first real job after school. And the reason why I took the job was not because it was selling vacuums. I didn't know I was doing that. The gentleman who introduced me to the opportunity, so he did the interview, told me it was a little bit like having a franchise. They were going to give me the keys and the responsibilities to one of their offices. He never filled in the details, and I kind of am really pleased that he didn't because I would have prejudged my way out of something that made a big difference for me. So I went to school first to be a doctor. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, I looked in the newspaper, which is where people used to go to look for jobs. Maybe they still do a little bit now, but that's where I went. And when I went on this job interview, Don, this gentleman said to me, we're going to let you run one of our offices. You have to prove yourself because we just don't give the keys to anybody. In a franchise or in a traditional business, you have to buy all your stuff and that would be a huge capital investment. And we'll let you kind of use, we'll let you have the ownership of the store kind of, and we'll split the profits like 50-50. And I looked at that relative to the options that I had way back when, and I said, this seems like a good option for me. Now remember, he didn't deceive me by not telling me what it was, some people might say, well, he didn't come out there and tell you it was Electrolux and he didn't tell you it was vacuum cleaners and he certainly didn't say it was commission only and he didn't say a lot of things. And I said, you know, I was really looking for the opportunity and I'm kind of glad he didn't because I would have prejudged my way out of a lifestyle that I can't play my life backwards and figure out what would have happened if I chose a different path. Would hold on, hold better? on, Peter. We've got to try this. You would have said, forget about it. Forget oh. about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, forget about it. Yeah, or something else. Like my mom said to me when I told her I'd be working for that company, but she's probably not listening in right now. But And I faced a lot of rejection from a lot of people when I actually decided that I was going to do that, which was really kind of weird. But back to this concept is I was looking for the best option for me. And for those people that might be listening in, I was not attached to my ego I was attached to what can I possibly do to make the most amount of money, help myself and other people, and eventually develop a lifestyle because what I did for a living was probably going to be a pretty big determining factor on how my life was going to turn out, like where I'd spend my time. Now I'm going to stop there for a second, and I'll give you my little philosophical thing I learned from a guy named Warren when he was selling encyclopedias in Columbus, Ohio. Warren was a really great man, and if you ever really want to meet a magical salesperson, find somebody that used to sell educational materials in people's homes. They were wonderful, magical. There was an art form to it. It should be respected. It was like, oh, my gosh, these guys really have the whole selling thing going on. But what he used to do is he used to sell books to people that would buy books, and most people, if you remember the encyclopedia thing, Most people that have high school children right now say, are you kidding me? I'm just trying to keep them in school, not getting pregnant, and, you know, not going to jail or whatever. They'll never read the book. So I'd say for the most part, a lot of high school students probably aren't going to read the book. Some might. But they used to sell books to children in educational ages like kindergarten. Like they could barely read. And first grade. And I would say, Warren, why do we focus these books on these people and he said well realistically speaking they at least still have hope for their children they think they're going to be presidents and models and scientists and all those other cool things you know doctors and attorneys and all that sort of stuff it's not until your kids get a little bit older that you just decide that that may or may not happen with some of them and so the scenario was and you know life has kind of proven that out for lots of us listening in So the reality was, he says, we sell them to the young kids because, number one, or the people with the young kids, because they still have hope. 
And I would hear him do a presentation, and he would look at the parents, and he would say, and remember, he was selling education. He would say, there's a couple of determining factors that are going to make a big difference in your life. And he said three. And I was listening, because Warren's a sharp guy. He said, number one is your level of education and what you do with it. Number two is what you do to pursue money. And number three, who you marry. And I said, those are words of wisdom that I promise you I'll remember, and I will bring this to everyone that I possibly can, your education level and what you do with it, what you do to pursue money, and who you marry. And if you're listening in and you're over 18, you're probably saying to yourself, you know, there's some wisdom in some of those words, (laughs) education and what you do with it, right, what you do to pursue money, and then who you marry. And he said, and this is the thing that they used to teach about education, he says, if you really start to think about it, a lot of it has to do with a good education. So the good education might determine who you might marry or what you do to pursue money. One way or another, it can kind of be tied back. So it was education that was the key. And education, 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 if you start to look back and how things happen, you say, there's a lot of truth to that. So this call is about education. So even though I tied it into the stuff that we just did, what you might do to pursue money might be your MLM or your home-based business, but it really is about education. And that's a slippery slope for most, especially in an unregulated industry like they have in the MLM thing, where anybody literally can qualify to do a home-based business. So back to my little story relative to the vacuum cleaners. When I graduated from college, I had a choice. I could go back to school, maybe put myself more in debt, not worried about the obstacles. I could do what? I could maybe uh, be a policeman or a fireman or whatever, which a lot of my friends wound up becoming. And that was their passion, so that was really great. But it wasn't mine. Or maybe I might find a job. And I took a job in sales because I realized that in sales, there's no ceiling and there's no floor. You kind of get paid what you're worth. And if you work hard and you do the right things, you might be able to make above average income. And if you don't work, then you probably shouldn't take a position like that because you'll be paid what you're worth. And what you're worth in whoever's God's light might be way different than your financial worth. So I said, you know, I think I'm going to do this because at least this gives me the best opportunity to be able to make some extra money. So I chose direct sales and direct sales management with that one company, which treated a little bit like a franchise. And that's kind of like where I cut my teeth and where I learned a lot about a lot of things. So that was my little introduction to the whole um, sales profession and the concept of being paid what you were worth. And then, Dawn, as I built a team, I learned how important it was for me to recruit new people, how to train them on how to sell a product, and if I did it the right way and we could duplicate our our efforts, how I actually could get paid on something that I didn't personally do. And that was kind of weird. How can I get paid on something that I didn't personally do? And I was able to do that by building a sales team. So I had to get involved in the recruiting, but I might not have had to do the demo or knock on the door or whatever it might have been in that situation. And that was the first time where I learned that, you know what, if you're really good at working with people and building a team and doing things the right way and educating them so they kind of stick around, how you could actually develop a great residual income and probably above average income as well. That's kind of like how I cut my teeth on the whole direct sales network marketing thing. But I grew up in a very strong environment where it came from we kind of like did we had to do things the real way because it worked and then when you take a look at network marketing a lot of people sell it on the overhype and over promotion so that's why i say i wouldn't do network marketing today if i saw it from the outside because you could look through a lot of the stuff and say that's probably not the way the real world works and these are all marketers that are just saying whatever they have to say to be able to make a week sale so mm-hmm. now that's me so I took up a few minutes explaining my background. Let's talk about you. What attracted to you to the whole home-based business concept? Well, my dad was he was one of the he was actually the CIO of Elizabeth Arden Corporation and he was like hardcore suit, you know. Uh I grew up in a world where he brought home the first laptop which was bigger than me and 
you know, the first cell phone, which had its own briefcase. And, you know, I was really steeped in technology, but I I saw my dad getting up and, you know, going to work and going into the city and not being home. And, you know, my mom loved it and was super supportive. And we lived in Connecticut and he worked in New York City and that was an hour and a half commute by train. And I knew I wanted to do it different. And and, and my mom was always, you know, she was the, she was the perfect stay-at-home mom. She loved to knit. She loved to do these things. And she was the mommy. And I didn't want to do either one of those things, Peter. I, I came in different than both of my parents. And so I knew that I wanted the lifestyle that my dad provided, but I didn't want to do it the way he was doing it because he wasn't there, you know. Um, he ended up working for Elizabeth Arden. He was traveling 80% of his year, the year that my grandma died and my mom was alone. And it just always nagged at me. You know, I wanted to do a different, I wanted to be present. And I got to tell you that as a leader in network marketing or a stay-at-home executive, I work more hours than I'm sure my dad ever did, but at least my kids could reach me when they needed me and, and I was able to do things that I that I absolutely wanted to do. And so I I knew I wanted to do it different. I got involved with Mary Kay really, really young, like 18 years old, and I used to go to photo shoots and do makeup at photo shoots with, as, as part of something that I could do entrepreneurially while selling cosmetics. And really, the cosmetic thing wasn't me. I'm not superstar Barbie. Um, I'm I'm really much more. Um, interestingly, I like technology. So I ended up going ahead and trying the nutraceuticals thing, and I lost weight and did well and cut my teeth and did I, – I cut my teeth on Amway, but I did well. My first program was AOLA, and um, it was weight loss. I went from a size 14, 16 to a size 4, 5, and 6 months. And um, I was a poster child for weight loss and fell completely in love with it, loved the business side of it, loved the, the customer side, became a personal trainer, and actually went in that entire direction – and then the FDA swoops in and takes ephedra and all um, ephedra-based supplements off the market. And that was my first run-in with um, alphabet soup and, um, you know, how they could come in and swoop and say that an entire product category was not okay. Um, and it could be sold in every pharmaceutical cold medicine on the shelves of every every pharmacy in the country, but it could no longer be in these products because they weren't regulated somehow. And so um, that was the first time that my business was taken to its knees um, by a regulatory shift. And um, and so I ended up going ahead and looking differently at the networking industry and thought, okay, maybe I'm going to go ahead and look in the direction of technology. <clears throat> because, right, I mean, you can't go ahead and say that my website is, is, is going to be outlawed for um, by the FDA. Um, I don't want to get into that right now, but yeah. you know, I, I went that's into, another whole call. That's another show, but uh, <laughs> the FDA couldn't do it, but somebody else can. Um, but the reality is, is that the entrepreneurial side of it, the dream had me because, you know, I looked at and and became completely committed to coaching the people that got into business with me, and I took on a real serious. Um, responsibility as a sponsor and I had um, it, when I got into Aola I had a really amazing upline and, and how it happened this is really going to tie it all together for you I'm sitting at my house and I'm in Atlanta and it's the middle of summer and my Electrolux vacuum cleaner breaks swear to God this story is true this is how you and I were connected like 25-35 years ago and I go ahead and I make a phone call and somebody comes to my door to go ahead and bring me an Electrolux vacuum loaner because back in the day people stood by their products and Electrolux was my favorite, still own an Electrolux vacuum. So Carlton Hunter shows up at my door and he is 300-pound man, bright red, sweating like I've never seen anybody sweat in my life. I thought he was having a heart attack on my front porch. I invite him in. I say, oh, my God, are you okay? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's not the heat. I'm not having a heart attack. I'm on this new weight loss product, and I've lost all this weight. And he shows me his belt. <laughs> and it's got five loops that he's now punching through. And 
He's showing me how he used to have to go ahead and add a, add one at the end of the leather. He showed this to me. This is how how big I was when I got the belt. I couldn't get a belt big enough. I had to make holes in this one out to the tip. And ever since I started on this product, and oh, my God, and the next thing you know, I'm buying the drops. I've got cold tea and a, and a cold cloth in his hands. And Electrolux re, in, re, reignited me into network marketing and got me involved with AOLA, which up until... Um, most recently when I made the turn into technology had been my most successful program, um, and that was several years ago. And I fell completely in love with the, the coaching and the sense of community and the sense of um, acknowledgement. You know, there were so many people that just didn't get that in their lives, in their marriages, in their work, at their jobs. You know, the ability to go ahead and choose into an organization and a group of people that love the product and a vision and a mission with a company and that could align with that company and make it very much their own and then become part of something bigger than themselves. And I thought that was just so magical. And at the time I was in Atlanta, I was having babies and I was a younger woman and you know, I had my church and I had, you know, my, I, but I was new in Atlanta. And so being able to go ahead and be part of something was so important to me. And I meet this great lady because, see, Carlton, he was a great Electrolux salesman. And he he was showing up on a lot of porch steps with that story. And he was doing okay, but he didn't know how to help, tell me how to build a business. You know, he was just building a weight loss customer base because he was losing weight and sweating on everyone's front steps. But I needed to know how to build a business. And so um, because, I mean, if, if you're a leader in networking, if you're really good, even if you've never done it before, but you're super, super talented when it comes to being able to talk to people and you're passionate about a product, you know, you're going to outdo your upline. Uh, and that was classically what would happen to me. And so I actually looked up when I asked to be introduced to my upline presidential. That was the top earner in my genealogy, in, in my uh, AOLA genealogy. And then I asked to be introduced to the author of the book that was about the weight loss products that we sold and about the silver, the colloidal silver that we sold. And so I became friends with two people who actually were able to teach me everything, one from the business side and one from the product side, that I ever wanted to know about the products. And I I got such a fantastic education, you know, and I think that for me, the reason I fell in love in 25, 27 years later, I am still solely committed to the network marketing and MLM industry is because somebody who is a stay-at-home mom who didn't I didn't finish my college education. I ended up having babies and going a completely different direction with my life. And I I I looked always and said I can go to school right now. Do I want to stop what I'm doing? Do I want to not work for 4 years or 6 or 8 or however long that I might go ahead and take to have an education while raising three children? Um and or do I want to go ahead and move forward with this? And so I fell completely in love with networking and the fact that the playing field was level for whoever entered and that <clears throat> with a little bit of will and a little bit of elbow grease and a little bit of money. Like, I mean, a little bit. I was married to a printer with three kids. And, you know, this was not something that I I entered network marketing with a bunch of money in my pocket and threw a lot of money at it and put a bunch of ads out there and had a billboard and blah, blah, blah. I did it old school grassroots. We just got, I mean, AOL was handing out free Internet discs when I got the Internet. So this is when I entered AOLA. There was no, none of what was out there that was available was, was there when I did well in AOLA. So I did it the hard way, and I took the long road, and it took me a year or two. But, I mean, this is back then. I was making $6,000 a month as a stay-at-home mom who was raising her kids while her husband, and then my husband, he gets into a, a car wreck, and he can't work, and he has a neck injury, and he has to come home. And sure enough, I and that was actually when I went full-time and when I hit that $6,000 a month mark, but I en ended up out earning him by almost double within 90 days of working my business full-time. 
And we both took a look at it and went, well, there is something seriously to this. And uh, and let me tell you, I worked 17 hours a day. I was putting miles on our car that he was cringing at. I was all over Atlanta. Everybody knew me like the drop lady because that's where they came in little weight loss drops. But um, what could have been one of the most horrific tragedies of a young couple's life and did take its toll, you know, um, it's difficult for any young couple to start out and then have physical tragedy and have a lot of financial pressure. But when I, you know, when I look back on it, I think, okay, so what? You talk about making lemonade out of lemons. Um, you know, we could have lost the house, moved back in with our folks, and and you know, done what so many people do. But instead, we had a vision and a dream, and Jeff was supportive of that, you know. And we went and and uh, I built this weight loss business, and that was it. There was never I became permanently unemployable that day. There was never going to be another day. Like I, I took a job as a trainer at a gym so I could get some personal training clients, but I wasn't like on a on a. I wasn't working a job. I was working a business, and I was building personal training clients inside a gym. Um, you know, like I've had employment within the industry because I became passionate and started projects and worked as a strategist and a marketing consultant and then inevitably in different jobs within network marketing because I love the industry. But when I so I don't want to be ever called a hypocrite that I'm when I say permanently unemployable, um I I have been employed within the industry because of my passion for the industry and my passion to get paid for what I do together both. <laughs> you know, but uh it's been it's been a complete love relationship, a love hate relationship at times, but um it's been it's been my my marriage of choice in my career for Excellent. 25 years. Excellent. Now there's a couple of things I just want to kind of just chat about since we're having a conversation about these things. First of all, what the industry has done for you is created an environment or a platform so you can get what you're looking for, be happy, and be able to help a lot of other people. And from previous calls that we've done before, when we talked about developing your own utopia and developing your own economy, I'll bring us back to the definition of success. I think, at least this is my views, that everyone has their own definition of what success might be. So it's the progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. Now, for me, so I'm getting just me, my goal was always to, as my children were growing up, to have my wife stay home with my children. So my wife was, say, for instance, successful because she was able to stay at home with the kids, although never drew a paycheck for that. But in my mind, super-duper successful for being that, and then my role was to just make sure I always made above-average income so we can afford for her not to go to work. Now, would that mean that I poo-poo any woman that's staying home or going to work or whatever? No. I mm-hmm. said a little bit earlier, it's your definition of success that really matters. So whatever you define it as, like your dad, maybe your dad really loved working 80 hours a week for another company, loved getting dressed up in the suits, loved buying the ties, loved the politics, of Wall Street and stuff like that. Maybe that was him. But the cool thing about network marketing is it can provide for you what, or home-based businesses can provide for you whatever you want. Now, by the way, it doesn't happen automatically. You'll probably have that love-hate relationship, and you can probably grow a lot in the process, and who knows where it all, who knows where it all turns out. But I can promise you it's going to be a little bit on the ups and the downs and the entrepreneurial and the roller coaster stuff. But... You can survive it if you at least know some of the things that are happening. So here's some continuation of my little story. I was frustrated with corporate America. So I started with that little vacuum cleaner company. Yes, we had a loaner policy, and I always applauded you know, the big guys like Carlton. I would go out there and sweat like crazy, and he was an entrepreneur. And chances are, if he worked for me, I would have fired him for trying to do two things at the same time. <laughs> So, Carlton, you slid. You didn't work for me because I needed you 100% sold on Electrolux, if you don't mind me saying. But uh, chances are, based on his production, as long as he's producing, I could kind of tolerate and live with that. And we did. So that was another. that's another whole conference call 
on on are, do you allow or are you allowed to do multiple things? And it's, the answer is, I guess you have to read your policies and procedures just to make sure that that's the case. But anyway, I climbed that little corporate ladder, and I ran one office and five, and then eventually 35, and eventually 96. And I remember the reason why I moved from New York, where I get my accent, to Chicago, where I was uh, in the Midwest running uh, lots of offices, is because of the hope of Airy VPs becoming part owner of that company. So I looked at that as, Dawn, that was my shot. I was making a lot of money in New York, uh, well above average income in the direct sales profession, but they dangled that carrot of if you go to Chicago, we're making area VPs part owners of the company if we do it the right way. So even though I was an employee, I took the entrepreneurial risk. Now, by the way, it didn't work out. So things don't work out in all different kinds of businesses, just as they might in home-based businesses, but sometimes we forget to tell the stories of how it didn't work out as an employee on a salaried position, plus bonuses and stuff like that in the real world, too. So there's no security out there. Security must come maybe from the individual, and that's what I love about home-based businesses. So in the process of doing all this stuff, and, and I was looking to do something with a home-based business myself when I moved from Chicago to Florida, which is where we are now. I figured I have to learn the ropes. The distributors drink the Kool-Aid. The, the, the home-based the home business owners, they're already kind of brainwashed and sold and very passionate about the things that they do. So I wanted to find more of the academic truth. Are these things legal? Do they really last? Can I build a career here? What should I stay away from? And I flew up to see Dr. Charles King, who teaches at the University of Illinois in Chicago at their marketing course, and he actually started a home-based business certification course way back when, um, when he was coerced or seduced by a gentleman named Mark Yarnell, who is a killer, wonderful speaker. If you ever want to hear, like, eloquence, you hear Mark Yarnell in his prime talking about the stuff that he was doing and the passion that he had towards home-based businesses. But he coerced Charles King into doing a certification course about home-based businesses, specifically network marketing at the university. So I flew back because I wanted to learn the truth. And he knew some of it, didn't share all of it, because there's just so much you can learn on a weekend. But I will share with you this. There are things that people need to learn below the surface that most people won't know to dig through that can be some of the challenges that either can make a career, break a career, whether they're naive based on innocence and growing or maybe the fatal flaw. But there's some stuff that people need to know, and some part of this call and future ones this week are going to be starting to talk about that stuff. So first, I asked Dr. Charles, are these things legal? Meaning, is the network marketing industry legal? And the answer is absolutely positively yes. There are rules, of course, but it's legal. I don't know how many people listening to this right now um, will really know what I'm going to say next. But if you bought from a franchise any time recently, franchises, when they first came out, were almost ruled illegal. So if you bought from McDonald's or Burger King or you went to uh, you know UPS stores or you did anything, if you look at a lot of the purchases you probably made this week or this year so far, a lot of them were done at franchises. And franchising was like this close to being deemed an illegal business model way back when it first got started. So network marketing is a lot looser regulated and that's part of the good part and part of the bad part. See, here's the thing with franchising. When you buy a franchise because it's heavily regulated, you literally have to bring, might as well, a SWAT team of attorneys with you. You, you, you grab documentation that's this thick, and I'm, I'm holding my fingers up pretty big, so this, you know, this thick of documentation. There's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of people looking mostly because there's a financial investment that's significant in most franchises. That could be just a few thousand, 
or it could be significantly more than that. And because I, I think with that type of an investment, it should be more heavily regulated, and it is. But if you really think about network marketing and home-based businesses, its strength also is its weakness. What does it cost to be a home-based business person? Well, technically speaking, you're qualified if your payment goes through. Now, Don, I don't know anybody <laughs> that would really say, you know what, I'm going to this doctor, he's doing brain surgery on my kids, and you say, what is his qualifications? Oh, well, his MasterCard went through for the fifty nine ninety five for the license. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> or, you know, all right, so there's this financial planner guy. You know, he's going to be he's going to be controlling all my financial planners. Well, how much did it cost? Or, you know, like, what is his qualifications? Oh, no school. Oh, no school. No, no, no. That'd be too hard. And then, then no one would be able to make any money if they had to go to school. It'd take too long. No, we need mm-hmm. to make money right away. So, you know, what was his qualifications? Oh, well, his credit card went through for his twenty nine ninety five a month. <laughs> so, like, all right. So that would be its weakness, but also its greatest strength. Because, like, you started your story. You were the, sing- you were the mom, you know, or the married mom, working with a, a, a husband that was working and, you know, going through the things that typical cust- couples go through when they're, when they're working. Uh, but your barrier to entry was literally eliminated. Mm-hmm. Because of the great features, and the problem today is, is I think because of that barrier to entry is so non-existent anymore, and the other strength is the communication process we have right now. Anybody with a microphone or a webcam or or a voice can say something, and it literally goes unchecked. Yeah, I think that that's really hitting the nail on the head, too, Peter, because not only can people go ahead, like, all right, let's back up 25 years when I got involved with AOLA. I am a person of integrity who's going to go ahead and learn everything I need to learn. I'm going to call my upline presidential. I'm going to call the author of the book, ask for the introduction, read and devour the book, study the material, ask the author himself to give me answers to the questions that I have so that I am duplicating the information out there correctly and I'm saying the right thing and I'm doing it with the people who wrote the book and who have succeeded wholeheartedly with the business on my flank because I don't do what some people do. But what the Internet has done and the this incredible, incredible viral marketing campaigns and the ability to get in front of 2 million people with whatever message you want to, without their permission, of course, breaking every law that that exists. But the people that do this damage, they're not worried about those laws, and they're not worried about those barriers. They're just worried about the money they can take from people. And so they get out there, and some, some of the people aren't even, they're not even out there to defraud the public. They're just crazy, silly, silly people who are excited about what they heard, they don't know that they're misinforming the public. They're just saying the stuff they think they remember. And they get out there and they do massive amounts of damage to our industry and you know, to, to the people that they're, they're spitting all over excited with because they're not responsible with the fact that, that this requires them to know what they're doing and to have their upline on the phone with them I'm doing the talking initially, and they don't know that there's a process or they don't follow the process, they don't respect the process, and they abuse the powerful tools that are before them, and it has done so much damage to the industry. I It, it just, I mean, I can get really uppity about this topic. It's just, You know, I say it all the time. If I didn't know what I know about this industry, there'd be no way uh-huh. I would join this industry. Not not based on what I see. And the reason why I want to stress that for the people that might be listening to our show is that chances are, if you didn't have the background, I kind of got backdoored into this whole home-based business network marketing mm-hmm. thing because it was part of my regular business. Uh, we were in direct sales, so for me it was real simple. When they added a network marketing compensation plan to it, I saw it right away. But I didn't look at it from the other side. 
if I were a kid like my children and I was looking at the stuff that I see on the Internet or the stuff that I might get somewhere else, I would definitely poo-poo this as being a not legitimate business. And then if I did some research on it, this is going to be a little bit controversial. <laughs> I don't I don't know how or why anyone on the planet would think that they could build their business by advertising their competitors' business with the name with the name scam associated with it. So if I were an A company, I can't imagine anybody going out there and doing advertisements. So B is B company a scam? Is C company a scam? Is D company a scam? And then blemishing the re, the names of my competitors by associating the word scam as a way of building my business. Dawn, this is a unique industry. I don't know one other industry besides politicians that build like that. Like, do you ever see like uh, like uh, uh, McDonald's saying, "Is Burger King a scam? Does Burger King create or you know cause cancer?" No other industry other than ours, because it's unregulated and people whose payments barely clear are allowed to then perpetuate that. And that's the sort of stuff that I don't think will ever change, because there's always going to be that as a marketing approach. But from the education level, like we kind of said a little bit earlier, we're going to underscore education realize that that's live and then that's industry and unfortunately that's just the way it is and you might look at it and say these are the things that i don't like about some of the things that happen in our industry but you got to look beyond it so what happens then is a lot of really good people maybe even some of them listening to our show uh they take their foot and they put it on the brake instead of on the gas relative to the opportunity that might be at hand or they don't do it at all or they just reinforce because there's lots of things you can look at that just look at this stuff and say, why in the world would I ever want to do one of these things? So when the little student over with Dr. Charles King 20 or 30 years ago said, Dr. Charles, um, you're looking for ways for graduating seniors to get work, and you don't have network marketing on the list of possibilities you have corporate jobs, you have franchises, you have more school, you have all this sort of stuff, but you don't have network marketing on it. Dr. Charles King said, son, I know enough about network marketing to tell you I don't want nothing to do with network marketing. So he was a really smart guy who said that to one of his students, and his student bit back. He said, Dr. Charles, if I gave you that answer on a test, with as much information as I know you know about this industry, you would fail me. You'd give me a big F. And Dr. Charles, you're failed in what you just said. And he stood back. Now, Dr. Charles is a small man as far as height, but huge as far as ego. And he looked at the kid and he said, you know what, son, you're right. I, we're going to go research this industry and if we research this industry and I'm right, then I'm going to still tell you I don't want to know anything about network marketing. So he started to go to work, and that's how he found Mark Yarnell, and that's how the the whole thing started. And they worked a lot with Newskin, and they took that seminar all over the world. And I was privileged to be at one of those things. When I asked him, what do I do, he says, come to our seminar. And then I was allowed to be able to actually teach. I taught a lead generation thing over there, and I met some really great people that I still communicate with today. But that's how Dr. Charles became an evangelist for the home-based business industry. So for those people listening in, it's really easy to poo-poo. When I say poo-poo, you like you look down <laughs> on it. Or based on the facts that you have at hand, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But what I'm also suggesting is that sometimes the guy with the microphone or the gal with the microphone or the video cam is probably not the best representative of the industry. And, Don, that's what drives me crazy when I hear people say, you got to brand yourself. you got to <laughs> brand yourself. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. There are some people that are brandable, and there's some people I wish would just, you know, push play, like show, show, oh, show yes. that company video. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, there's a lot of companies that are out there right now that aren't doing the things that they need to do. You know, we've we've learned a lot in the past couple of years, Peter, about, um, you know, what a company needs to go ahead and do, what an income disclosure statement is. And I'm going to just throw this out there. For those of you who are out there looking for a company, you know, there is an extremely, extremely important piece of documentation that the company that you're hopping in with needs to have for you. And it's called an income disclosure statement. And an income disclosure statement is something that's put together so that when you get excited and you want to tell somebody how much money you're making or you want to tell somebody about the increase in lifestyle that you've experienced because of being with this company, because I'm sorry, there isn't a networker on the planet who isn't in a position when they're making the first question everybody asks about when you say you're in a networking situation, any kind of opportunity. It doesn't matter if it's you know a lotions and potions deal or if it's a you know if if you're selling pool water, okay. If it's multi-level marketing, the number one question is going to be how much money are you making? Oh yeah, you made any money in it yet? And if you can't give your honest testimony, you cannot say yeah. I mean, I don't care if it's 37 cents. If you made a 37 cent check your first week in a business, you're excited about it. And you need to be able to tell people, but you can't tell them unless the company has an income disclosure statement or you're breaking the law. You can tell them if you can hand them an income disclosure statement, and then you can say anything you want about what you're currently making as long as you do it the right way with that company because, you know what, yeah, give them an income disclosure statement. This shows everything that the company has in numbers about what their affiliates are doing with the least common denominator, the guy who sits on the couch and picks at his billy button fuzz and never lifts a, lifts a finger to build a business, all the way to the people who are working like uh, like the people that I know, working 17 hours a day, building huge businesses because they put a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of love into building their businesses. So that has to be disclosed in order for anybody to be able to share how they're personally doing with a company. Um, There's a lot of that kind of stuff out there when it comes down to the way that the regulators behave around the networking or the network marketing industry. Um, Some things and most things were put in there to try to protect people. What it has done is create a lot of headaches for a lot of people in a lot of situations because they don't know going in all of these things. And uh, our friend Kevin Grimes, who is, he's going to show up on one of these calls shortly, um, he has created a course for people, that, and, and we'll get him on here maybe within the next week to go ahead and share with people how they can go ahead and participate and take the class so that you can learn the laws of this industry. Because I don't know anything that's more important than knowing – I mean, if, if you got a car – and somebody said, here, go drive, and that's how they gave everybody a license to drive. Nobody would want to drive because of everyone else on the road not knowing how to drive. <laughs> it becomes a really dangerous environment, you know? <laughs> so I think we should get Kevin on here and have him talk about his class. What do you think? Absolutely. Yep, Kevin's a, <laughs> Kevin's a good man, very knowledgeable about the business. So let's talk a little bit about that income disclosure statement for a second. Because so many people don't really know how things work, you know, an income disclosure statement helps with the regulators to give people the permission. But what a lot of people may not realize is that some people join a network marketing company and they quit even before they're in. So meaning like they just they buy the product, mm-hmm. they had false expectations, they're never going to make any money because they're already on to their next deal. But that person helps dilute the income potential or maybe you, who might be going to work like crazy. So the income disclosure statement probably needs to come with an interpreter because yes. those types of things are really <clears throat> tough. But the regulators say, wait a minute, if you're asking someone to make a decision where they'll be investing money, investing time, uh, buying products, stuff like that, you got to give them some kind of documentation of some level of expectation and that's where it's a really slippery slope. So when it comes to the marketing side, for people like myself who were kind of spoiled in how to build a business the real way, um, I always learned never to hide the business 
from the people that were going to be doing the business. Let me kind of explain that in English. When I was with that Electrolux vacuum cleaner company, there were some people that would recruit based on the money, the money, the money, the money, the mm -hmm. money. And if you mention money five times in a row to a certain portion of our population, they will go into a trance. It's almost, <laughs> you know, you can kind of seduce For them sure. with the money, 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 money. And I already probably have one-third of our that might be a marketing approach. Now, it couldn't be for me because, remember, I sold vacuums with a company called Electrolux. So if I only said money, 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 and eventually they had a knock on a door because there was never a, an abundance of people that wanted to buy those. We went out there and sold them. So in that capacity, my recruiting approach was always – hey, listen, this has a really great income potential because it did. Most of my guys that, uh, that followed the plan made above average income, but it's not for everybody. And it really, you have to come and learn what we do, so we'll show you. And we would show them maybe a day of business with the idea that we're going to show you everything we got, and you're going to see whatever happened that day. If I ran uh, repair calls, you'll see it. If, if, if I ran a sales call, you'll see it. If I was doing the interviews, you'll see it. You saw my business that day, whatever it looked like. And by the end of that day, we'll both decide whether this is something you want to do or not. So in my previous profession, I showed them the business in the process of them making the decision. And I knew that a lot of people, there were some guys, I'll never forget, Roger, Man, I took him out, and we knocked on one door, and I thought that guy almost had a heart attack. I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, he's, like, sweating profusely. And I just said, Roger, you know, I don't think this is for you. Like, are you okay? He's like, I have no idea with me, but I'm having, like, a psychological and a mental breakdown. I'm like, okay, good. At least we found this out on day one. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, great. You know, that's fine, Roger. You know, bam, that's a – Keep that ad running. i got to find somebody that's going to work out. <laughs> or somebody would say, you know, it's not as bad as I thought. We actually had a blast. I mean, there are some people who say, I didn't know you could have so much fun mm -hmm. because you're in people's homes and you're working with people. And, yeah, the occasional dog might bark at you. Or you got, you know, one girl asked me, what do you do when it rains? I said, we get wet. You know, what do you do when it's cold? <laughs> we get cold. We figure out how to get in so we can help some more people. You know, if mm -hmm. we know there's going to be a blizzard, we line up a lot more appointments. <laughs> You know, like what else would do? What else would anybody sane do? That's insane enough to be able to make their livelihood this fashion. But mm -hmm. we never hid the business from them. In the network marketing industry, it just seems to be totally the opposite approach: money, 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 money. Don't mm -hmm. really tell you what you got to do. Forget about the fact that a lot of people might not make any money when they first get started. Well, of course they don't. They were brought in the wrong way. If you were brought in by do nothing, you'll make a ton of money. Look at Joey. He's got a Rolls Royce, and look at Sally, you know, the person from stage. I suspect that one way or another, the people from stage, the people on the microphones, they have to kind of blend the story with the dream, but also sometimes the reality. And the problem is, it's not always their problem either, it's the audience, they get seduced by the potential. And that's one of the reasons why the income disclosure statement is such a slippery slope, is because so many people come into the business with wrong expectations. Were they lied to? You know what? Sometimes yes. Yes. The person who did the presentation flat out didn't tell the truth. They never said the way it was. So that's the challenge with our industry. Now, if you're asking me, for all the government regulators that are listening in, do we want you guys to sit here and give us the script of what we're allowed to say? Not really, you know, not really. Let us kind of do our own thing. Let us police ourselves. Let us tell people the reality of what's going on. And for all those people that are doing it the wrong way, I don't think this is a good idea because they're really messing up a really wonderful industry. Mm -hmm. I came to it where, you know, with the vacuum cleaners, nobody was buying $10,000 of vacuum cleaners so they can store in their garage so they can hit a bonus statement. When I started selling with a company called Envirotech, which was a car polish, and that stuff was the best thing I've ever seen. Wax on, wax off, like Karate Kid for your car. Wax on, wax <laughs> off. Man, this stuff shined like you've never seen. 
So for me, it was a car polish that turned me on, you know, initially, because my mentor says, man, you got to try this. For someone else, it might have been that guy that was sweating profusely, saying, listen, look at these belt clips. <laughs> Use the belt adapter. Look, you know, I like I got my, my old belt stapled to my new belt, and this is the only way I can put this thing around me. I'm sorry, I have said for years, you know, women could be living in a cardboard box on the side of the road with her kids in the back of the box, and if somebody went by and she's got 20 pounds to lose and they told her it would work, she would sell one of the kids to buy it. It's just, it's a done deal. The product is sold, and and when it came down to it, you know, I know it sounds crazy that a 300-pound man that was sweating so profusely I thought he was going to have a heart attack is what sold me the product, but it did because I knew that if it was making him have some form of an actual reaction that my body would also react. But, you know, to take it out of crazy and into some real groundedness, you know, there's some incredibly great product that goes through network marketing in the nutraceuticals reality because, you know, the, the network marketing industry has just been known for higher quality. You know, when it comes down to it, it's got to be mass-produced and it's got to beat all the other price points on the shelves at Walmart in their pharmacy section, you're not getting quality. You know, when you're talking about removing all of the all of the daisy chain and going from manufacturer to corporate to your affiliates or your distributors distributing, um, the, the network marketing industry is not ashamed to ask for more money for better quality. So I I just I've always loved network marketing nutraceuticals. I think that it's just it's a fantastic industry. Um and and I believe that it's actually the strongest place you could ever want, you know, ever buy anything in that particular category. I mean, I might be I might be wrong. Somebody might have the greatest shop right around the right around the corner from their home, but you know, that shop has to pay overhead. They have to pay an awful lot to keep their lights on. And there's going to be, you know, a lot of competitor products out there. So I maybe they've got them, maybe they don't. But I could tell you that, you know, I, I've watched really cool shops, you know, turn away a product because it's so much more expensive than the other products in their category. And it doesn't really matter if it's better because their customers just aren't going to buy it, so they can't leave it on the shelves. So I think that, you know, network marketing has – some of the greatest products have come through our industry and – and you know it's it's such a sh- I know it breaks your heart like it breaks my heart to watch the industry take the hits that it does because of whatever the case may be and it's not always it's not always something that you can define um you know and have an exact this is what happened or that's what happened sometimes it's it, it some sometimes it just takes it to its knees because it does other times there are things that we can do to go ahead and prevent it. And so whatever we can do and, and make available, like Kevin's course and, um, you know, whatever information we can share to help help the new guy out there not step his foot in too much, um, too much mess on the ground, then <laughs> right. that's the service we can provide. That's right. So as we start to wrap this up, it's an education process. Learn the ropes. Realize that many people, they want to do well. They mean well, but sometimes they're not really trained on what they should or shouldn't be saying. So you always have to be a little bit skeptical relative to some of the stuff that's put in front of you. But on the plus side, I know, Don, all the all the people that do regulations are not going to like what I say here, but there are some people that I talk to that swear they don't have pain when they used to have pain. Mm-hmm. They will tell you that they they are they know they're living longer. They will tell you it's made such a measurable difference in their lives. Yeah. Some people that but I that know. their COPD, their chronic bronchitis is gone six months after starting something. They will they will you they will say I am on this planet today mm-hmm. because of the products associated with the company that I'm that I'm working with. That's and right. whether That's real or whether it was combined with something else or a divine intervention, I don't know if anybody will be able to prove, and that's why the regulators say you can't say those things. <laughs> but but invariably, the product line many times is a certainly a superior product. Mm-hmm. The education that goes along with it many times can make a big difference as well. I learned more about nutrition because it wasn't taught anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I learned from Nutrition for Life, which is the network marketing company that went out of business, that was just mismanaged their way out of business. But I learned a lot about nutrition as a result of the stuff that happened. So 
can I say that my life is going to, I'm going to live longer because I got associated with this industry? Mm -hmm. I can tell you there's no way to prove that, but I know, I know a lot more about a lot of things relative to this industry. So whether it's Bob the tax guy, whether it's the people that show us about energy deregulation, whether it's the technology associated with the systems that are put in place, whether it's um, the, the other things that I have available, including the nutrition that I just mentioned a little bit earlier, this is a really great industry when it's done the right way. And one of these days, hopefully, we'll be able to minimize people that do it the wrong way because they're going to see that they can do it the right way and it still work for them. They don't have to be weak and do it the wrong way. That's so right. As That's right. Wrap, as we wrap this one up, I'm going to we let are you wrapped. wrap this up. <laughs> thank you so much, Peter. You're welcome. Thank, hey, guys, thank you so much, all of you, for coming. We appreciate you, and we will be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Eastern with some more truth about the multi-level marketing industry. We hope you join us. And don't be so shy. Call in. Make sure you click that follow button, and you'll know right before we go on the air every night. And um, make sure you pop on over to our blog and say hi. Take care. Have a great one. So long.